talk about just getting a fresh start to this brand new year. But another series that the Lord put on my heart for us this year was Miracles. And I was, I was praying about that and kind of putting it on the calendar because I'm a relatively organized person. I like to have things, you know, in their places and let God move them around as he sees fit and all of that. And I was praying about miracles. And then I realized as I was praying about it that it wasn't a word for just a sermon series, but I really believe it's a word for us as a church this year. Miracles. Um, and I, I, that's exciting to me. It's exciting to me because I, I didn't make it up. <laughs> because it was something that the Lord put in my heart. And as I prayed about it and thought about it, and I was like, all right, Lord, like this theme for the year, and we're not even starting off January 5th with a message on miracles. That's to come later. We're going to get a fresh start, and we're going to go into miracles a little later. But as I prayed about that, and I said, Lord, so what is our disposition if there are miracles that you want to do this year? And one of the things the Lord put on my heart as well to, to see some miracles, we need to ask for some miracles. Amen? Asking is free. Isn't that wonderful? You can just ask and ask and ask. And there are things that will undermine our ask, uh, maybe life experiences or things in the past, the fact that we live in a broken world. But you know what? I think there's something really wise and good about the ask. Jesus went to somebody and said, what is it you want, right? And, and he said, I want to see, right? Another thing that we need to be able to do is we need to have faith. We need to trust God with the things that we're asking for. And the third thing that we need to do is we've got to celebrate the miracles when they happen and, and just give God glory. You know, we do it with our God stories. We find excuses to honor God. There's something about sharing what God's doing in our lives that encourages one another and builds each other up, and, uh, and it's a really healthy thing to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a notebook, probably a digital one this year, where I'm just going to start listing every miracle that I ask for this year. And then I'm going to list the miracles that I see this year. I know some of you all are perfectionists, and you think, well, if you ask for 20 miracles, you should see 20 miracles. That's not actually my expectation. I'm going to ask for far more miracles than I might see, but I am going to celebrate every miracle like they all happened. Does that make sense to you all? Uh, because I, I live in a broken world, but I serve a God who's in a perfect kingdom, who knows exactly what he's doing, and I'm going to seek him, and I'm going to see some miracles. We're going to see some miracles this year, and I'm really excited about that because um, we're a, we serve a God who's powerful and has authority and glory and honor. And, 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 the, and the reality is I don't worship the miracle. I worship the miracle worker, Right? I'm in love and following the one who does the miracles, not the miracles themselves. So all of my hopes, expectation, and faith is not based on miracles. It's based on the miracle worker. And he's the one that I worship. And if, he's, if he speaks to me and says, I want to do some miracles this year, I'm like, I want to get out of the way and let you do some miracles this year. And I encourage you to have that same attitude. Just be willing to ask him for miracles. Even be willing to tell other people that you're asking for miracles. Ask, believe, and we'll celebrate. Sound good? All right, let's jump into our new series um, for uh, January. We're going to talk about getting a fresh start in this new year. I'm going to read a scripture, and then I'm going to pray, because that's what we do. Amen? And that makes you all feel comfortable, like, ah, I'm at home, and we're doing what we do. Um, Isaiah 43, verse 19 says this, See, I'm doing a new thing. Would you say new thing? 
Now it springs up. Do you perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and stream, streams in the wasteland. And what I love about our God is that he's not stale. Um, he's not simply repetitive and just kind of playing the same record over and over and over. He does new things. And what's exciting about our God doing new things is that he is an initiator. Isn't that cool? That our God is an initiator. And I am excited to say, Lord, what do you want to initiate? What do you want to do? This morning when we were worshiping, um, I saw this picture. And I, it was a picture of, of a, um, a throne, a big gold throne in the middle of, of this place. And what I saw was as we were worshiping, it was like the Lord came and just sat in his throne. And it was really exciting to me because I was like, oh, wow. I want to say holy cow, but I guess that would be sacrilegious. Um, <laughs> but I was like, man, Lord, like, and there was, it built this expectation in me. And there was nothing else to the picture, so I'm not going to, like, add on to the picture or, or because we don't need any bolt-ons or, you know, Mike Henniganisms or anything like that. But I was really excited because what I saw was as we worship God and as we put him in the center of our lives and as we worship him, he takes his throne in our midst. And to me, I'm like, it's emboldening. It's exciting to me. All right, I said I was going to read a scripture and pray. I read a scripture and I started to preach. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for this new year. Lord, your word says that you are the author and the finisher of our faith. I thank you, Lord, that our, our journey with you is not a stale one. It's not a stoic one. It's, it's, uh, it's living. And God, you have a will and you have ways and you have... Um, things that are in your heart. And today, as we worship you, I pray, would you birth fresh things, new things in our hearts that are of your making, that are of your leading. I pray that as we hear your word, Lord, that it would go into each one of our hearts. You're so capable to speak to every one of us. I pray, Lord, let us each hear from you and from your heart, from your word. I pray for the empowerment and the leading of your Holy Spirit to share what's in your heart today. God, you're so good and so great and you have so much authority. And Lord, today, I thank you for fresh starts, a fresh beginning. And Lord, we just allow you to do all that you want to do. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, to to kick off our series today, I, I want to talk about just two simple things that can hold us back from getting... A fresh start. The first thing I want to talk to you about is distractions. The distractions can hold us back from getting the fresh start that we want to. Um, Oxford describes distraction this way. It says, a thing that prevents someone from giving full attention to something else. Right? So it distracts us. It takes us away from putting our full attention on the thing that we want to put our attention on. You know, you are one person with 24 hours in a day, if you have figured out how to stretch your day or make it 25 or 26, I want to sign up. I want to get a little bit more sleep and a little bit more work, and I'm just going to divvy that up and, you know, and put that in there. But I'm pretty sure all of us have that same 24-hour day. Um, And we all, as an individual, 
we have a certain capacity within us to love and to give and to serve. And while that capacity can grow, the reality is you have a capacity. And you have to, um, you have to, you, you, you have to believe and trust today that you have what you need to be who God has made you to be. Sometimes we think we're searching for something else, and the reality is you already have time and capacity and heart. Um, and you have, to, you have to believe that you have what you need to accomplish what God has for you to do. One of the things I love about our God is he would never give us something to accomplish that he will not enable us to do. He's not a God who says, here's a goal. I know you'll never be able to do this. Or here's something I want to birth in your heart. I know this could never happen, but I'm going to birth it in your heart anyways just to demoralize you. That's just not the nature and the character of our God. Now, he will put dreams and things in our hearts that we cannot do on our own. That's on purpose. But he's not a God who would put things out in front of us or put things in our heart that he would not give us the capacity for. But what happens is we can often rob ourselves of the capacity that God has given us by distractions. Because distractions will rob our resources and it will rob our time, our energy, our focus. It will rob our virtue. And you can typically identify a distraction this way. Distractions are typically not necessarily a bad thing, but they're often not life-giving. Does that make sense? Like, rest is not a distraction. But there's a point in where rest becomes slothfulness, right? And, y'all, for, for, life is its an art, it's not a science. For some of us, we're like, can you tell me the exact number of hours and minutes I'm supposed to rest? Lighten up. Like, it, it's going to be okay. Right, But you'll know when you've gone too far one way or the other way, right? Um, a distraction is something that it, it can be good, but take up too much space in your life, right? And it needs to have the right boundaries. And I love this, um, this verse in 1 Corinthians 6.12. I'm going to read this to you in the old NIV version, which is ironic because NIV stands for New International Version. But it's the 1984 version, so now it's the old NIV. Um, everything is permissible for me. But not everything is beneficial. Um, everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. It's this idea that, you know, as a believer, there's, there's wide boundaries. A lot of times people think of, of being a believer and following Christ as, as this really tight boundary of things that you, you can't do. And actually, there's a lot of life and there's a lot of things that you absolutely can do and, and, and be part of because our God is a God of life. And, um, but... Knowing how to handle that freedom is a responsibility. Amen? So, you all know me. I'm not much to beat people up over things. I I just don't find it very life-giving and inspiring. But you know if there's a distraction in your life. You know if there's something that's eating up too much space. And what you can do is you just say, God, show me the boundaries. Does it need to go all together? Does it need a tighter boundary? Just show me and give me the capacity and the the inspiration and the ability to just respect that boundary you're kicking the thing out. Amen? All right. We're going to move on to the second thing. The second thing is that can hold us back from getting a fresh start is sin. 
Sin will do it to us every time. Sin will undermine us. Sin is, it, it's any time you and I reject God's will and God's design for our own will and for what we want. It's not really complicated. It's just rejecting his way and saying, I think I've got something that's better and this is what I want to do. I've got to tell you, I really believe the Lord gets a bad rap when it comes to sin with a lot of, with a lot of folks. Um, often people think that sin is about God trying to control us, which is really a faulty way of thinking. If God was trying to control us, the whole free will thing has been undermining that for a long time, right? I mean, it, it, it's not about control. Um, people think that God's trying to keep us from the fun stuff. Any of us who've raised kids understand that that's not what it's about. It's not about keeping people from the fun stuff. It's keeping people away from the stuff that will destroy them and hurt them, right? And the reality is he is a good shepherd, and he is trying to lead us away from things that cause pain and destruction. It's really that simple. Now, admittedly, there are times in our lives where we don't understand why God calls a sin a sin, and there are times where we have to trust God and say, hey, if you say it's wrong, I say it's wrong. But for the most part, it's not rocket science. One of my favorite verses about sin, which is kind of a funny sentence to say, but one of my favorite verses about sin is Galatians 5.19, and it says this. It says, the acts of the flesh are obvious, and then it just gives a list. Now, you all listen to the list, and we sent the children to their class, so we're, we're in a safe place. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, enviness, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. I think this scripture just makes it really plain. Sometimes we can get, for those of us who may be analytical or maybe we're given to some legalism in our life, like, we can like uh, try to get out the, the fine point pen and try to make sure that we understand exactly what is sin and what is not. Is this okay? Is, is that okay? Or my life, that kind of thing. Can I want to tell you, I, don't, I really don't see that in God's heart as how he looks at sin. I think it's for the most part, just like really obvious. And when we read that list of just, you know, kind of a laundry list of like obvious sins, when I think about, and if we think about the pain that's been caused in this world by sexual sin, drunkenness, and selfish ambition, just three of those on the, on the, on the list. Like all of us would like nod our heads and go, well, yeah. How much destruction? Like, it's not about what God is trying to keep us from. It's what God is trying to save us from. It's, it's not hard, but like I said, I think God oftentimes gets a really bad rap because of a misunderstanding of his character and his nature. The reality is sin will hold us back. It'll entangle us. It'll, it'll keep us from getting the fresh starter to keep us from the best things that God has for us. And, you know, God doesn't jettison his love for us when we sin. As a matter of fact, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He's been pursuing us before we gave our hearts to Christ. He's pursuing us now. That's, that's his heart. I'll read to you Hebrews 12, 
1 and 2. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off. Would you say throw off? I like that picture. It makes me think of like a, an Afghan or um, like you throw it off. Let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. It makes me think about like, like when you get like something wrapped around your legs or you know, just kind of wants to, to trip you up. It just easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. I love, I love that picture because really the best way for us to turn from sin is to turn to him. If you've ever had a sin that was ruling over your life, and um, I know all of us have, you've probably experienced that focusing on the sin and focusing on, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fall for that, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, it's not very effective. Because you're focusing on the not and the withholding. The throwing off and the fixing your eyes gives you somewhere to go. It gives you someone to look at and someone to pursue. You know, the reality is, you know, turning from sin, is, is, it's not complicated. Jesus, he took our sin and our punishment to the cross. And the way that we throw off sin and the way that we receive forgiveness for sin is simply to repent, to, to just say, God, I change my mind about the matter and I'm going to turn from this and I'm going to receive the forgiveness for my sin. Now, for some of us who like to be hard on ourselves, we want to add on some extras, but unfortunately, there's nothing extra to add on than the cross. It's been done. It's been taken care of. If you want to beat yourself up, um, that's up to you. I I don't recommend it. I think it's really um, counterproductive and the Lord doesn't actually encourage you to do it. He encourages remorse and he encourages... You know, that sorrow, but also he removes the shame and removes the sin and really doesn't want you to stay there and wallow because it's not life-giving. It's not life-giving. Sometimes the regret will take us back, and some of the times the, the things that we see that it's caused will bring us back, and we'll just kind of keep going back, but the reality is you've got you to fix your eyes on him. And what's beautiful is that not only does he remove your sin, but he removes the shame. And... He's provided his Holy Spirit who empowers us to live and to follow him, to fix our eyes on him. Here's where we often fall down, especially, you know, we're here at the beginning of the year. And, you know, maybe maybe there's something in your life where um, it's been a secret sin or a controlling thing or something that has it's not even a secret. Like it's all it's known in the household or something like that. And it's something that has has robbed, robbed you and robbed your family. Um, and you're like, you know what? I know. I know that, that the Lord wanted me to hear this today, and I know that he wants me to lay this down today. I know he wants me to turn from it today. And you have all of that in you, and you're like, God, help me, because I really want to, and I don't want to go back. What all happens so often in our lives 
is life. Life happens and we fall down. Because we'll have the best intentions and sincere intentions, but then that week happens where all the stress, it seems to come back within several hours, where depression seems to just harass you, or where anxiety just overtakes you, or where anger just wells up inside of you, and like, I didn't even realize that I had all of that in me. Unforgiveness seems to grab, have you, and or these kinds of things, they, they come up, and it's almost like they storm our lives, and we'll turn to a sin for some temporary relief. You know, I'm saying this out loud in church, and, and, and like on a Sunday morning because we're not pretense kind of people. This is the reality of what happens in, in, in our lives around us. And the, re, and the fact is, sin is a temporary outlet and, a, and, and it, it's a temporary relief, but it doesn't solve any of the underlying issues. It just it doesn't solve anything. As a matter of fact, it typically creates a problem for the next day. And so what if, what if in our resolution and in our laying down of sin and in our remorse, which is so sincere and so from our heart, what if there was a resolve that says, but when life happens, and I know, I've lived long enough to know, life happens, amen? I know life's going to happen, but I'm going to be predisposed. I'm going to make a decision now that I'm not turning to the temporary relief. Of sin. I'm going to turn to Him. I'm going to fix my eyes on Him. I'm going to resolve right now that that relief is so temporary and so fading, and it, it's, it's such a robber, it's such a thief, that actually I'm going to ask the Lord, help me to despise that thing that has undermined me. And actually, that's what happens in our, our spiritual maturity, is the thing that tempts us actually becomes the thing that we hate. Now, if you're wise, you don't hate everybody who falls in that sin, and you realize that you're that person. But you, re- you hate the thing that undermines people and destroys their lives. That's a mature view of it. If I'm, if I'm describing your struggle today, you've got to know that you're not alone. Um, I know that the reality is I'm describing a struggle that every follower of Jesus has in their life. And I want to encourage you to add a part. We, one of the things that I've given you this morning is this predisposition to not turn back to sin, but to actually turn to him. But there's a second key that will actually bring a new realm of resources and help and security in your life, and it's not intuitive. It's allowing God's family to be part of the answer. The reality is that we often want to hide when we sin. Am I talking to the right people? Right? Like, just by very nature of shame and sin and things, it's like we want to go put, put it somewhere. We, it, we naturally want to go put it in a dark place. But the reality is that light drives out the darkness. And I want to encourage you, find believers you trust and just 
get out there and share your struggle. How's that for risky? But there's something that happens when we bring something out into the light and we bring it to a safe place. Safe place. A trusted place. Where we say, here's my struggle. And people say, okay, I'm not your therapist at this moment, but I will pray for you. And I'm not your answer, but I'm here to stand with you and to stand alongside of you. And let's look at what God's word says and stand on it together. And now that we have it out in the light, and you're my brother and you're my sister, and I love you and I care for you, and I want to walk with you, not away from you, a freedom will come into your life that you might not have experienced in the past. And it's really liberating. I remember when I, when I first came to Christ, I was, I was so excited to follow Jesus. So excited because I was running hard from him. And then when my heart was softened and I just turned in, I was just like this whole new life. It was like the sky was a different color blue. And it was like, I just, you know, it, it just, it was so exhilarating to have a new life and to know I had a new life. And I was so demoralized when I found that I still had sins that I needed to overcome. It was so frustrating. I, was, I didn't know what to do about it. And I, I would find this, this cycle of I would fall into a, to a sin. I would feel shame. And then on top of that shame, I would add lots of condemnation. And the devil would certainly help. Give me some good lines to just really loathe and hate myself. And it would, and it would lead to an isolation. And I learned in my journey with Jesus by opening up the Word of God, reading books like Romans and, and Galatians and these, these books in, in the Word, and in talking with other people, I learned that through Christ, I don't actually have to sin anymore. Before you accept Jesus into your life, sin is like a slave master. Literally, it, it like the ability you at times cannot actually even choose not to because you are enslaved. You are you don't have power and authority over it. And what happens is when Jesus gives you a new life, he frees you from the bondage of having to sin. But you still can sin. Free will. He doesn't dismantle your free will. Some of us would sign up for that if we could, because we don't trust ourselves. But see, he doesn't want that. He wants you. He wants your heart. He wants your relationship. He doesn't want to dismantle your will. He wants you to have trust and faith in him and to know that you don't have to sin. And as you look in Scripture and as you pray and as you seek the Lord, even with whatever sin you're battling, you begin to realize, I don't have to sin. And I learned through God's family that I don't have to be ashamed of my sin. Not that sin is not shameful, but that the forgiveness that he offers is so great. I remember (laughs) I did a lot of bad stuff I'm not going to tell you about when I was a teenager. And I remember I went off, I I gave my life to Jesus May 5th, 1992, and Went off to Bible college, and like I said, it was like a brand new world. You know, I'm like singing, 
It's a whole new world. Like, I'm just living in a Disney movie, the good part, without the witches and all that. Anyhow, um, I'm living in this dream world, and I'm loving it. And that first semester of Bible college, my pastor was coming to Portland, the MFI conference, the Ministers Fellowship International conference in, in October, which I, my wife go to every year and now. But he was coming, and the Lord spoke to me one day in my prayers, and he says, I, you know, Pastor Steve's going to take you out to dinner, because that's what he does with his Bible college students. He's going to take out the dinner, and when he does, I want you to tell him everything you did on church property. And I was like, Lord, this was going so well. It's a whole new world. Like, I mean, like, come on, like. We don't need to go. It's forgotten. As far as the east is from the west, we don't need to do this. And I couldn't shake it. You know what I'm talking about? There's a scripture that says, confess your sins one to another and pray for each other that you will be, and you will be healed. I, so he shows up, and he shows up with one of the other staff pastors. And we get in the car, I'm like, great. We, he drove me up to Mount Hood, and I'm like, great, they're going to bury me in a mountain. Like, they're taking me, they think they're taking me for a steak dinner, but they're going to bury me in the snow. And so we sit down, and we start to talk, and I said, Pastor Steve, I need to share something with you. And I started to share with him bad stuff, stuff I was not proud about. And I felt terrible because I was like, God, I have this new life, and these people love me, and I'm about to disappoint them. And I'll disappoint them, and now they'll, they're going to reject me. Um, but I'm going to obey you because that's what I've chosen to do. And I shared it with him. And he looked at me, and he said these words. He said, Mike, now I know I can trust you. I was like, I did not see that coming. How is it that me sharing these terrible things with you just built trust? I didn't see that coming. And, you know, there's, there, was this, there was this coming clean. And it actually, I think it removed a layer of guilt and a layer of regret that was in me. But it also taught me a really powerful lesson. That in safe places, bringing things out to the light brings freedom, not bondage. And it brings trust, not mistrust. And it actually brought greater freedom and trust into my life than I ever had before. And I did not expect that. Scripture says, confess your sins one to another. I don't think it's because if I share with Daryl what my sin is, that that's what forgives me. Because I am very confident theologically that it is the cross that offers me forgiveness. But there's something about this that brings a level of freedom here. And the reality is sometimes we want to hide in our faith and say, well, I'll just be free in my prayer life and be free in my relationship with Jesus. And that doesn't work. Because the reality is he wants your freedom to be expressed here and among people. And 
He wants you to feel safe in his kingdom. Now, I need to tell you something. I'm telling you that relationships and the family of God and that safe place is, is so important to that whole process. I'm going to tell you right now, God's family here on earth is not perfect. It's not perfect. And so being led and wise of the Holy Spirit and all of that, because we, we are not perfect. And I'm not trying to paint that picture. And yet, it still says in here that we are to confess one to another and that there's this a, a level of freedom and healing that comes into our lives when we share that openness. But I've got to tell you what, when you share with people what's really going on, there's a safety and a... Um, uh, there's a safety net that can be cast in your life that you haven't experienced before. The lie of sin is hide it and be ashamed and deal with it on your own. That's a lie. It's not the truth. Jesus hung on a cross publicly for your sin. The treachery of it, the ugliness of it, all of that was public and the people who didn't get it shamed him for it and the reality was he was bearing my shame isn't that amazing if he can do that i can in safe places bear my heart to other people and allow that healing to flow let me read that scripture again to you therefore confess your sins one to another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Isn't that a beautiful scripture? Would you stand with me this morning? And Jeremy, will you come? As we start this series about fresh start, and I know you were probably uh, expecting me to like, Pour all kinds of jet fuel into your inspiration tank today with this fresh start. And you're like, I feel I've been bait and switched. No, you haven't. To, to have a fresh start, sometimes you've got to get some things out of the way. And it's okay and it's healthy. So this is not the realm for you right now to like get condemned and to beat yourself up and to torture yourself. It's, it's not that realm. But this is a realm where there's a grace that's available for you today. Maybe there's a distraction in your life, and it's evident. You don't have to, like, pray about it and think about it. You're like, this thing in my life is stealing the resource of my time, affection, virtue, and I need to put it in its boundary or put it away, and the Lord will get If you need to do that today, right now is the moment to do it. If there is sin in your life that especially got a real heart this morning for the secret stuff, the stuff that we keep to ourselves, the stuff that is buffeting us and, and it tortures us when we're alone. And um, it's the thing that maybe it's intermittent, maybe it's consistent, but you need freedom from it today. I want to ask you today, would you turn to Jesus and would you make a commitment to go to whoever he puts in your heart and share in a safe place? I've been battling with and just put it out there. I know it's a really big thing to ask, but I want to tell you this morning, it's not me who's asking, it's him. And having experienced it at such a level that I thought it was going to cost me every bit of credibility I had, I'm telling you, 
when it's led by him and when in, in his grace, there's such liberty that comes from it, such freedom. And I just want to pray for you today. Just close your eyes and you can just put your hands out. I don't know what you're receiving from him today, what you need from him today. But right now, Lord God, we come before you. And God, for those of us who there's a distraction. And you've laid it in our heart and we know there's just a grace to set that thing aside or to put its boundary right now in the name of Jesus. We just put that thing in its place. We thank you for the time and the energy and the virtue that you have given us. And God, we want it to be beneficial for you, for your kingdom, and for the best of what you have for us. So will we lay distractions aside as we get ready for a fresh start this year? God, for those of us who are battling a sin, it could be something going on in our thought life, something that has actions behind it, but it's obvious. We know what it is. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you for forgiveness. We ask you for forgiveness today. We say, Lord Jesus, you said if we confess our sins, you are faithful and that you will cleanse us of all unrighteousness, that you will forgive us. So, Lord, right now, just say, God, forgive me. Forgive me. Oh, God, forgive me. Oh, thank you for the empowerment to turn. Thank you for the freedom to not have to sin. And Lord, I pray, God, for those of us who we've been fighting a battle alone, and you don't want us to be alone anymore. Right now, God, I pray, would you just show us where and how to have that safe place where liberty can flow, where freedom can flow, and where we can be healed. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I thank you that you remove the shame. You remove the guilt. Thank you that you don't, you're not the God who holds it over our heads, who shames us with our shame, but you remove it. You remove it. You're such a gracious God, such a loving God, such a good shepherd. Oh, we thank you today. And Lord, I pray today, God, as decisions and resolutions are being made in hearts, let a grace just come on your people. It is for freedom that you have set us free. No longer to be in bondage. To be a slave to sin. You're so gracious. And you're so good. And we thank you today. Lord, let your work be whole and let it be complete. And let any lie the enemy would say fall to the ground. And have no ability to stick to our hearts and to our minds. We thank you for the freedom that you've purchased for us. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.